Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. I'm so happy that you're joining me today on this online internet church service, and I'm coming to you today from my house as we have just returned from a seven-hour drive from the wonderful city of Washington, D.C., the nation's capital of the United States of America. Praise God. We had a wonderful time, my wife and I, uh, in D.C., and uh, just enjoying a, a wonderful tour of the White House. I tell you what, First Lady Melania Trump certainly did a wonderful job of decorating. So beautiful, so pretty. You know, there's people that criticize it, but I don't, I don't see what they're criticizing. To me, it was absolutely lovely. I love Christmas, and uh, the White House was just glorious, beautiful. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And you know, it's always good to go to D.C. and just walk around and pray and lift up the president, lift up the leaders of the nation. Praise God. I always enjoy traveling there and uh, just going there to pray and to walk around the, the Capitol building and so forth. Praise God. Please, my friends, pray for America. Pray for President Trump. He's doing a fantastic job. He's not perfect, but he's God's man for the hour, and uh, we thank the Lord for him. Uh, I understand, I'm sure, that some of you perhaps didn't vote for him, but nevertheless, he is the man in office, and we need to pray for him as he is trying to do the things that uh, he believes in his heart is best for the nation. And of course, many of, of those things I agree with because they're good biblical principles that make sense, and some things we have to do. Praise God. You know, I know there's a lot of people that that they don't want a wall up, uh, a physical wall. But you know what? All nations need to have boundaries. And I've been to Israel multiple times, as I know many of you have also. And the wall that Israel has put up on their southern border has really helped save a lot of lives. And when they've had the last two intifadas, oh my goodness, without the walls in southern Israel, I don't know what they would have done because there would have been tremendous killings unleashed upon the Jewish people, but the walls they built were a great measure of safety, and now they're, they're having to uh, pretty much put up the wall in the north, mainly because of uh, Hamas doing so much damage with the tunnels coming through with these illegal weapons, and uh, really just wanting to kill Jewish people. But uh, we thank God for our president. Please pray for him. And uh, even if you didn't vote for him, please pray for him. You know, for eight years, I prayed for President Obama, and uh, I just believe whoever is in office, we need to pray for them so that this country has peace and stability, so that our lives can be as comfortable as possible, and also so that gives stability a good platform so that we can preach the gospel unhindered. I really believe that America has an assignment to carry the gospel to the nations of the earth, uh, and you know we have the freedom to do that. We don't want that interrupted. Praise God. So let's pray for the leaders of our nation for peace, for prosperity, so that we can stay focused on what we're supposed to do. Woo! Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's honor the Lord today by bringing the tithes and offerings into the storehouse of God. Here's a verse that I'm sure you love. Uh, this would be Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. I believe that when we delight ourselves in the Lord and really His agenda, His purpose, what's on His heart should be on our heart, that when we do that, then desires that we have in our heart 
God just brings those things to pass. Sometimes you don't even really have to focus on asking or you know, exercise a lot of faith in believing for them. Some of these things just manifest because you're so into pleasing the Lord that the Lord, uh, when you are interested in His assignment and His, His uh, heart, then He'll just take care of things that are on your heart. Glory to God. I believe the greatest thing would be souls, evangelism, and of course for me, a close second is, you know, just helping the church, ministering the Word of God to the people that are already saved so that they can move from a place of, uh, you know, defeat to a place of victory. And the only way we can do that is through teaching, teaching, teaching. And teaching is very interesting because often you don't get it the first time, sometimes not even the second time, but it's through repetition, continuing to teach, teach, Sunday night, or you know, Sunday morning, and, and then a Wednesday morning, and on and on and on, just teaching, and eventually it starts to kick in. I know that's how it worked for me. There were probably things I had to hear maybe 30 or 40 times before the light came on, and I realized, hey, if I do that, which is uh, God's Word, God's will, then it, it'll work. And, you know, but it just, it just took me a long time to hear it before the light came on. So that's why we want to reach the lost. That's why we want to uh, build up our brothers and sisters in the Lord, because that's on the Lord's heart. Woo, thank you, Lord Jesus, when we do that. He'll make sure that our desires are met, just as we make sure that the desires of God are met. He'll make sure that our desires are met as well. Praise the Lord. So with our tithes and offerings, let's make sure that we honor the Lord because it's your giving that allows us to continue to do uh, these important things such as number one, reach the lost, and number two, minister the Word of God to those who are already in the body of Christ. Get the Word into them so that they can begin to walk in victory and mature spiritually. Thank you so much for your giving. It helps us to do what God has called us to do, and we all share in the rewards. Praise God. Now, if you are bringing your tithes and offerings into the storehouse through mail, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 3456, Mooresville, North Carolina. Our zip code here is 28117. If you would like to go online and bring the tithes and offerings in online, you can do so as well. Please visit our ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There's a link on the homepage called Tithes and Offerings, Sow and Reap. You can go there right now, bring them into the storehouse of God, and it allows us to continue to minister God's Word. And you know what? We're expanding our platform very soon. We'll be moving into television. Ooh, glory to God. By the way, I'll be giving a little more information about that, uh, most likely in my next newsletter, which is probably coming out within three days. So if you want to get on the newsletter list, just um, email us at contact at stephenbrooks.org and just, uh, just put one word, just put newsletter, and we'll get it, okay? We'll sign you up so that you get the newsletter, praise God, and you can find out what we're up to and the good things that God is doing. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, bless your people. You know the desires of their heart, and you know that those desires originate in you. So, Father, we thank you that, that as our desires coordinate with your desires, we thank you that, that they're all met. Your, your heart 
is fulfilled. And Father, the things in our heart are fulfilled. Touch your people. Thank you, Father, today. Every desire fulfilled in Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. My friends, uh, uh, maybe a little bit of an interesting study today. Uh, you know, I know a lot of pastors, a lot of ministers, when it's Christmas, they're, they're going to pull together a Christmas message, and that's fine. But I tell you what, I was reading about Balaam, and I was getting so much out of his life that uh, I just wanted to talk today about Balaam and about the theme of the subject of when God says no. Oh, there's times when God says yes, you jump up, you dance around, and you shout hallelujah. There's other times when God says no, and... Um, we need to understand that when God says no, He really means it, because God told Balaam no, and uh, Balaam, uh, Balaam was just not giving in, and uh, was, it was not a good ending. So I think we need to examine this, talk about this today, and uh, you can find the story in the book of Numbers, chapter 22. And I'm going to read to you to, uh, this morning uh, from uh, the book of Numbers. Let's talk a little bit about Balaam. Yes, this is the uh, crazy guy that was on the donkey where the donkey started talking to him. Wow, isn't the Bible the most remarkable book in the world? I mean, these stories are, are beyond fiction, and they're, they're true. <laughs> it's fascinating. Heavenly Father, we ask that as we go into your word, that these truths, these principles, be illuminated to us by your Spirit, that we can ponder them and let the, the weight of them penetrate our spirit so that when we are faced with similar situations, we make the right choices and that we do the right things consistently. We ask you for this grace to be applied to our lives today. Father, in the name of Jesus, amen. And we all say amen. Praise God. Numbers chapter 22, verse 1, Then the children of Israel moved and camped in the plains of Moab on the side of the Jordan across from Jericho. Now Balak, the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites, and Moab was exceedingly afraid of the people because they were many, and Moab was sick with dread because of the children of Israel. So Moab said to the elders of Midian, Now this company will lick up everything around us as a ox licks up the grass of the field. And Balak, the son of Zippor, was king of the Moabites at that time. Now verse 5. Here's where the story begins to get very interesting. Then he sent messengers to Balaam, the son of Beor, at Pethor, which is near the river in the land of the sons of the people, to call him, saying, Look, a people has come from Egypt, and uh, come help me get rid of them. So here's the thing. Uh, the king here did not have the military strength to deal with the children of Israel, and he knows that. So in his cunning, in his thinking, he comes to the conclusion of what he can do to remove the Israelites and completely get rid of them and destroy them. And it says in verse 5 again that he sent messengers to Balaam, the son of Beor, at Pethor. Okay, so Pethor is the hometown of Balaam, which is near the river. Well, the river would be the Euphrates River. This is very interesting about Pethor because we know where it's at. It's 
about 11 miles south of a very famous city called Carchemish. And they found Carchemish back in the 1800s. And if they knew if they could find Carchemish, they could find Pethor. Well, um, Carchemish is still there today. It's on the uh, west side of the Euphrates River on the West Bank. But it's about 400 miles from the area here of Moab and where this story is unfolding at. Now, you have to remember that um, the king is going to send a, an entourage to go all the way up to Pethor to speak to Balaam. Well, the first time Balaam refuses and they leave. And then the king sends another more dignified group back up. Well, you remember, this is a 400-mile journey one way. We know that because Pethor has been discovered. There was an ancient uh, uh, writing that was even uh, found back in the, uh, actually, I think about 1976, that even had Balaam's name inscribed on it. Uh, I believe, if I'm correct, that Pethor today is actually underwater. But uh, we know for a fact that that's where he came from. So, you know, this is, this is a uh, very serious thing of bringing somebody in, a specialist, from 400 miles away, back in the days where they didn't have automobiles, and this would be about a month journey. So this, this is a long ways. So, uh, Pastor Stephen, why in the world would the king send his delegates all the way up there to get Balaam? Well, uh, archaeologists in their research found out that Pethor was the hub or hot spot of the viners, those involved in divination and occult practices. Uh, kind of reminds me of a certain city, uh, I won't say it, here in America that's just known for New Age and occultism and uh, all kinds of bizarre things. And um, uh, not a very good, I mean, you could live there, but if you were a Christian who was very spiritually sensitive, it would probably not be a lot of fun. Um, even a neighboring sister city close to it that also had a lot of spiritual um, New Age stuff. Me and a, a very well-known apostle, I took him there to minister in that city with me, and um, boy, he had, he had a lot of, he didn't sleep good. He had a lot of bad visitations during the night, and um, I had some, uh, you know, visitors in the night astral project into the room and bizarre stuff like that. You know, I've got to minister the next day, and so did he. <laughs> so, you know what? It's just, you know, ideally you wouldn't want to live in a place like that, but that's what Pethor was. It was just loaded with diviners, and uh, it, had been, it had been built upon generations of people operating in the occult who had gotten really developed at it. But out of all of them, all of those who, who practiced uh, magic arts and, and uh and occultism, uh, it would appear from archaeological evidence that Balaam was the best of all of them. So um, here we have the king of Moab, and he wants somebody that can deal with the Israelites. So he sends for the top diviner, 400 miles away in an age of no automobiles or motorcycles, and says, we're going to have to get this guy. He's the very best of the best. If this guy curses somebody, they're cursed. If he blesses somebody, they're blessed, and what he says comes to pass. So let's send our best uh, team up there to bring this guy back. And so that's a little bit of the history of the city of Pethor and a little bit of the background of Balaam. Um, this today, the city of Pethor, 
uh, is right near the border of Turkey and Syria. And you know, if you fly into Turkey, uh, you land at Istanbul, which I've done multiple times. Uh, but you know, that area today uh, uh, has a lot of fascinating archaeological history. Uh, even in 2016, they're still excavating Carchemish. They've had ongoing excavations since uh, the late 1800s. Still more to discover, but we know a lot actually about Balaam. This guy had a, uh, a legacy. He was a legend in his own time. This guy was a heavyweight, and I want you to understand a little bit about him and how you have to be careful also. If Balaam can get off track, you have to be really careful. Oh, this guy was not a lightweight in the spirit. And I think we'll see that here in just a moment. Okay, so uh, verse 5 again, Then he, that would be the king of Moab, sent messengers to Balaam, the son of Beor, at Pethor, which is near the river, that would be the, the Euphrates, in the land of the sons of his people, to call him, saying, Look, a people has come from Egypt. See, they cover the face of the earth, and are settling next to me. Therefore, please come at once, curse this people for me, for they are too mighty for me. And they were, militarily. He, he couldn't take them out, so he's doing what he believes is his best option. He says, perhaps, I'll be, perhaps I shall be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land, for I know that he whom you bless is blessed, and he whom you curse is cursed. Now, the Jewish sages teach that Balaam is one of the five Gentile prophets mentioned in Scripture. And I remember, you know, years back when I first began to study about Balaam, I, I was like, is this guy really a prophet? I know, I know that he can obviously get in, in the Spirit, and he can hear from God, but he, is he just a soothsayer, a diviner, or is he a prophet? We'll talk about that today. Praise the Lord. Verse 7. So the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the diviner's fee. Okay, they're going to him. Why? He's the top diviner in the entire Middle Eastern world. This guy was a powerful diviner. Okay, and so they take the diviner's fee in their hand, and they came to Balaam and spoke to him the words of Balak. And he said to them, Lodge here tonight, and I will bring back word to you as the Lord speaks to me. So the princes of Moab stayed with Balaam. Verse 9, Then God came to Balaam and said, Who are these men with you? I'm telling you, Balaam could talk to God. He could hear from God. He knew the voice of God. This is not just some warlock, some dude, you know, hocus pocus, throwing around a few chicken feet or something like that. This is a guy that can hear from God. Now watch this. Who are these men with you? So Balaam said to God, and this is the God that we know. This is our God, okay? So uh, Balaam said to God, Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, has sent to me, saying, Look, a people has come out of Egypt, and they cover the face of the earth. Come now, curse them for me. Perhaps I shall be able to overpower them and drive them out. And God said to Balaam, you shall not go with them. You shall not curse the people, for they are blessed. Ooh, glory to God. Now, here's the thing. When God speaks, you go 
you go with what he said. Pastor Stephen, I don't want to obey the Lord. Okay, I don't want you to end up like Balaam. Um, it, di it didn't end good for Balaam. I'm telling you, my friends, when God says no, he's, He means it. And when He says no, uh, there's no need to fast and pray about it. When He says no, there's no need for you to email me to seek my counsel on it. When He says no, or it goes against His Word, then that is, his final, that is the final authority, and it's settled. And there's nothing that's going to change that. And if you push on past the revealed will of God, the Word of God, or the expressed will of God revealed through prophecy, or the leading of the Holy Spirit, if you violate that, you could, you could die young. Your life could end prematurely. You could have needless suffering, and you can get yourself in a mess that can be very, very hard to get out of. And one of, one of the most trickiest things you can get into, it's like a spider's web. It's a weave of deception where the deception gets so thick that you literally are deceived yourself. And you're so tangled up in this thing that you can't even see a way out. And that's really what happened to Balaam. Praise the Lord. And I, I want to talk about it. I know it's Christmas time. I don't really have a message today about, you know, um, about Jesus in the manger or something like that. But I do have a message that I believe will speak to your heart. Praise God about Balaam. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. <laughs> and God said to Balaam, You shall not go with them. You shall not curse the people for they are blessed. So God said, don't go with them. Don't do this. Uh, you're not supposed to be involved with them or associated with them anyway. So Balaam rose in the morning and said to the princes of Balak, go back to your land, for the Lord has refused to give me permission to go with you. And the princes of Moab rose and went to Balak and, and said, Balaam refuses to come with us. Then Balak again sent princes. Now, rem uh, remember the distance, 400 miles, one way, a whole month traveling just to get there. He told them to leave. He said, I can't, I can't do this. I can't do it. Go home. And they did. They left. But the king doesn't give up. Um, if there's something in you unsettled in your devotion to the Lord, if there's something in you that would be an Achilles heel that you've never dealt with, that's a weak area that you know it is, and you play around with that. Let me just say that the enemy knows where to target you at. He's not going to target you in areas where you are heavily fortified, but he's, gonna, he's going to attack these areas that you deliberately allow to stay in your life, these areas that uh, are not receiving the attention of the Holy Spirit where you can make something that would be weak, strong. Praise God. And so it says here, Balak again sent princes, more numerous and more honorable than they. And they came to Balaam and said to him, Thus says Balak, the son of the Zippor, Please let nothing hinder you from coming to me, for I will certainly honor you greatly, and I will do whatever you say to me. Therefore, please come curse this people for me. Here's where Balaam begins to break. Uh, Balaam knows that this king, Balak, king of Moab, 
uh, although he's not strong militarily to drive out the Israelites for some reason or another, this guy's got a lot of money. And Balak drops that line over and over again. Don't you know I have the ability to honor you? In other words, don't you know I could, hey, if you do this, I can buy you a Rolls Royce. Don't you know that if I do this, I can, I can give you some money that'll set you up for the next three years. Hey, and not only that, Balaam, do this. Hey, you know, we can work together. You, you've got the gift and I've got the money. Let's team up on this. And so uh, Balaam, when he has the second visit from this entourage, he should have said, hey, I don't know what you're doing here. I told you the first time I'm not being involved in this. And you know what? I'm not even talking to you about it. Doors closed. You can't stay here tonight. Go get a hotel somewhere because I'm not having anything to do with this. But he invites them in and he goes back before the Lord again to, quote, seek what the Lord would say. And you know what? Um, God did not like that. That's what led into the story of Balaam on the donkey and the talking donkey. Because God, God was going to kill him. God was going to kill Balaam because here is a man walking in a tremendous anointing, a tremendous gifting, and he's going to sell out. He's going to sell out for a diviner's fee. And God said, don't do it. He's going to do it anyhow. Why? We have to ask ourselves that question because um, there's many Christians that override the very clear will of God. They're going to do it anyhow. They, they don't think they're like Balaam. They're not going to go out and try to conjure up some spell. They're not going to sit down with a Ouija board. or they're not, Maybe they would. I, I don't know. But uh, they're not going to try to, like, how can we say, go over to the dark side. They know that's not right. But they're going to dance as close as they can to that dark line. Maybe, maybe cross it, but think we'll come back over. But my friends, when God says no, when God says off limits, when God says don't eat that fruit, He means it. Mm. And God was, God was going to allow Balaam to be killed because he was very upset because Balaam ends up going with these guys. When God said, do not go with them. Mm. You know, I remember uh, Prophet Kenneth Hagin talked about the time where it was getting close to uh, Christmas and he, he didn't have any meetings on his schedule. And he, he wanted some meetings because the meetings would produce income. And with the income, then he could pay his bills and also buy some Christmas presents for his family. But uh, he said, Lord, you know, um, I'm getting close to Christmas. And, you know, the only meeting I've got is this one meeting. And this one meeting was at a large church. And, um, uh, you know, Brother Hagin was about to accept the meeting. But he had a visitation from the Lord. And the Lord told him, don't accept that meeting at that large church because that pastor will not accept your style of ministry, which is the style of ministry would be like what we would call spirit-filled, Pentecostal. In other words, full gospel, miracles, signs and wonders. He said that pastor will not accept your ministry. He doesn't believe in that. So he's not going to allow you to flow in the spirit. So the meeting's not going to be effective. And not only that, Jesus explained to Brother Hagin how the Holy Spirit was leading him not to accept that meeting. 
Well, Pastor Stephen, why would anybody accept a meeting like that then? Because of the basic thing that we all uh, can run into in life. We, we have needs to be met. And so that's the temptation. Something is offered to meet that need in an area that may be out of bounds. And so Brother Hagin said, okay, Lord, I, I, I won't do it. I did sense that, that inward witness of discomfort, something that your Holy Spirit was saying that I'm not, I, I could just sense that that meeting wasn't the right thing to do. He said, what am I supposed to do? And Jesus said, you're supposed to go to this other church because the Holy Spirit's trying to get you to go to this other church and there you can minister freely and the pastor wants you to come. But see, here's the thing. That church was just a real small church. And numerically, analytically, it would look like it's not going to be effective or financially productive to go to a church like that. But Jesus said, every time you thought about going to that small church, you had a peaceful, inward witness, a very smooth, velvety feeling on the inside of you. And that's where you're supposed to go. Not to the big church where they will not accept your style of ministry, but to the small church. Well, uh, Kenneth Hagin obeyed Jesus and went to the small church and got greatly, greatly blessed, was able to pay all of his bills, have money to buy Christmas presents, and things went really well. But I believe there's reasons why when God says no, we violate it and do it anyhow. Because something, it's like a carrot that's being dangled out in front of us. And it, the, the carrot is like tasty. The carrot is provision. The carrot would uh, present itself as the answer for what we have been wanting. But God the whole time is saying, no, don't eat the carrot, or the carrot's not your carrot, or, you know, that's not what I have for you to eat in the first place. So we have to be willing to say, okay, Lord, if you're saying no to that, um, then I'll, I'll agree with you and say no to it also, and I'll look to the thing that you'll say yes to. Woo! See, God had provision for Balaam. Uh, Balaam didn't have to, like, get in cahoots with the king of Moab. Uh, God would have provided for him some other way. But see, that, that king of Moab kept dropping those hints. Don't you know I'm able to honor you? Come on, curse these people, and I'll, I'll really give you a blessing. Oh, oh, my friends, I could, I could tell you story after story of how this works in ministry, and I know. I know that whatever your career field is, you're going to face situations like this, and you're going to have to hold. You're going to have to hold to God's word and to that leading of the Spirit. That when God says no, that means you're not supposed to be involved in it. Um, uh, there's a prophet who was invited to go speak at a certain church, and I won't name the, the name of the church, and I won't name the name of the pastor. Uh, but this was a very large church. Um, you know, maybe 20,000 members. And so the prophet gets a phone call from the pastor of this large church. And the prophet told, he, he told what happened on the phone call. The pastor calls him and says, hey, I, I want you to come speak at my church. And the prophet said, well, he said, that's very nice of you to ask me to come speak at your church. And the pastor said, well, he said, you certainly know that if you come to my church, you're going to be blessed because I know how to bless people and, and you're, going to, you're going to get a big offering. Uh, and so uh, the prophet said, well, will you allow me to talk freely and to speak the word of the Lord? 
the pastor said, you can, you can talk about anything you want, but don't talk about my sissies. Uh, pastor Stephen, what are the sissies? The sissies are the, uh, the young men, single young men in the church that the pastor was sleeping with and having homosexual relationships with. Oh yes, church probably about, well, about 20,000 people. Very well-known church in America, yes. And uh, the pastor said, you can, you can come to my church and preach because I know you move in signs and wonders, so I want you to come to my church, but don't say anything about what, you know, secretly goes on in my private life. And of course, and the pastor's married, but, you know, the, the marriage was just a cover marriage. It's, uh, you know, he, he's married, but he's doing all this stuff on the side. And so uh, the prophet the prophet, bless his heart, he said, he said, Pastor, he said, you know I can't speak at your church. He said, he said, I say what the Lord wants me to say. And he said, I can't come to your church when you're, when you're, when you're doing those things. He, and, the, and the pastor said, hey, you know what? If, if you come, though, you know I can bless you. And, uh, you know, core offerings like that, those are the kind of offerings that cover your budget for a whole year. But the prophet said, no. He said, I can't come to your church. So the conversation's over. And, um, you know, that prophet said he had, a, he had a, a talk with the Lord about that phone call, about that invitation in prayer. And he said, Lord, he said, um, he said, what are your thoughts about this pastor? You know what the Lord Jesus said to this prophet? Jesus told the prophet, he said, concerning that pastor, Jesus said, I am the only God who is so good that I'll fire a man, but still let him keep on working for me. Woo! See, that prophet didn't know it. He had been fired by Jesus, but Jesus was still letting him continue working in the, what we would call the ministry field. Well, the pastor's dead now. He died of a sickness, of a disease, most likely attributed to his sinful practices. Um, at one time, that pastor moved powerfully in the Spirit. I mean, and he was gracious. He was a giver. He was a godly man. But somehow, he got off into this area where he had a weakness, and he got all tangled up, up, up in it, and he never got out of it. He never got out of it. And uh, he refused to... Um, to just let the Holy Spirit help unravel him out of that mess, and it cut his life short. Praise God. But um, you know what? If that prophet would have gone there and spoken there and would have, would have gone there just for the money, he would have compromised his integrity. And, you know, you do stuff like that, you'll kill the anointing. I mean, it'll just lift. Oh, oh, whoo, dangerous, dangerous stuff when God says no. He means no, and that doesn't mean pray about it, you know, if uh, Balak sends another entourage. It means no, I'm not touching that, never going that direction, not messing around with that. If you do that, you'll kill the anointing. This is not just for ministers. This is for you and your respected career field. You will, you will put a ceiling on your life that you'll never bypass, and the destiny that God has for you can be potentially aborted if you do stuff like this. When God says no and you go, you go anyhow, you, you, are, you are flirting with the complete destruction of your destiny. Be very, very careful. 
Merry Christmas. <laughs> Pastor Stephen, this is not a very good Christmas message. <laughs> no, but I believe it's what you need to hear uh, today. Wrapped up, maybe not so much in a uh, package with a ribbon around it, but present it to you at a time when you need to hear it because you're, you're destined for great things. You don't have to sell out. Balaam did not have to sell out and merchandise the anointing. All oh, that man could hear from God. When you look into the utterances that he spoke over Israel, you are looking at a prophet that was operating in a very high level caliber of anointing. Well, Pastor Stephen, uh, what was this guy Balaam? Was he a soothsayer? Was he a prophet? Was he a warlock? What was he? Uh, uh, he was a little bit of both. <laughs> but oh, he could hear from God. There's no question this guy could hear from God. I mean, it even, it even gives examples in the scriptures of uh, how clearly this man could hear from God. I'll give, I'll give you a few examples. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Uh, this would be um, Numbers 24. Uh, verse 3, Then he took up his oracle and said, The utterance of Balaam the son of Beor, the utterance of the man whose eyes are open. Okay, so he could see in the spirit realm. The utterance of him who hears the words of God. He could hear God with tremendous precision and accuracy. Who sees the vision of the Almighty. He could have visions, open visions. Who falls down with eyes wide open. When your eyes are wide open and you are seen in the spirit realm, that's called an open vision. That's the highest level of the three types of spiritual visions. And, uh, you know, and that's mentioned multiple times that he had this grace of being able to see in the spirit realm, to be able to hear God. And it's being said by the Holy Spirit through him. So the Holy Spirit bore witness that he was a prophet. Not only that, the Apostle Peter, in his epistle, looking back, talking about the error of Balaam, how he loved the wages of unrighteousness. Peter, the Apostle Peter, even called Balaam a prophet. Wow, that guy was dialed in. He could hear from God. Pastor Stephen, how did he get off? Because when God said no, he wanted to keep on going. And if God says no for you, you, you need to stop lest you end up like Balaam. See, Balaam, Balaam's era was going beyond the Word of God. And God said no, but Balaam saw wealth and riches, and, and Balak kept dropping that line. Hey, don't you know I have the ability to bless you? Don't you know I have the ability to buy you a new house debt-free? See, the enemy will give you counter-offers of what God can do for you legitimately. You don't have to compromise. You don't have to sell out. You don't have to yield. Well, Pastor Stephen, you know what? You can't really get to the top, you know, by being, you know, morally pure. Oh, yes, you can. Absolutely you can. And there's loads of characters in the Bible who did it without compromising. Daniel, Nehemiah, cupbearer to the king. You know, Daniel, right-hand man of the king. Joseph, right-hand man of the king, running everything in the whole kingdom. These are guys that had the highest levels of ethical, moral purity. They would not cheat. They would not swindle. They would not lie. They would not take bribes. And yet, they 
standing at the top. Woo! See, if you work principles, you will fly high. Mm. You, you, you just work the principles. The principles of Jesus, they will create lift for you, just like the principles of the laws of aerodynamics create lift for an airplane. It's a law. If you work it, you'll fly. If you work the principles of Christ, you go up. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You'll go to the very top. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And that's where you're destined to go. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. But my friends, the enemy will present to you other options, other options, and you must be solid in your beliefs. You must be solid in your walk with God that you're not going to compromise. You know, there, um, there was a minister uh, overseas. I, I won't tell you what country he's from, but had a big church. Very well known. If I, if I said his name, you, you would probably know his name. Not in America. He's in another country. But had a very powerful church. Um, about 30,000 members. I mean, that's, that's a pretty good-sized church. 30,000-member church. And, uh, you know, this, this is a guy that did two 21 fasts every year. So, you know, no food, 21 days. He does that twice a year. So, you know, a guy that had a really good walk with God could hear from God, kind of like Balaam, very, very strong gift. And this guy's gift was, was more apostolic, church planner, and, uh, you know, shaking the nation he was in and surrounding nations as well. 30,000-member church. So he's doing really good, but something was going on in his life where the enemy was presenting something to him that to him it just really caught his weak area. And it wasn't so much money as it was an element of fame and notoriety. And it, it was presented to him and he took the bait. And the more he took the bait, the deeper he got in and uh, began getting involved in some things that were illegal. And so uh, today, uh, that pastor is sitting in prison because of what he did. And you know what? Before he was even sentenced to prison, I was in that country, and I was ministering, and I asked, I asked a friend of mine who's a well-known minister, I said, hey, I said, what's going on with pastor so-and-so? You know, he says he's innocent, but I said, um, this does not look right. What he's gotten tangled up in, what he's involved in, this does not look right. I said, what's going on? And my, my minister friend said, he goes, oh, Brother Stephen. He said, um, he said, I was on an international flight, and uh, I sat down in my seat, and, uh, you know, he's flying first class. And he said, this pastor just happened to be on the same flight and had the seat right next to him. And they know each other. And so they sit down uh, next to each other and they have a long flight together. They, have a, they had a good talk together. And, you know, the pastor, my, my friend said to me, he said, Brother Stephen, he said, I talked to him and I encouraged him to come clean. I, am, I encouraged him to let go of his pride. That's what got him. His pride in this thing of wanting to move into great fame, not just in religious circles, but fame within the, what we would call the secular realm, okay? Some people call it like crossover notoriety. That's what he wanted really, really bad. Well, it was offered to him, and he went for it, and he tried to get into it, and he was 
uh, he just, it was a big money mess too, a big financial fiasco, things being done illegally. Not just him, but others in the upper echelon of the church who knew about it, bookkeepers who were covering it up, and that they went to jail also, or uh, not really jail, they went to prison. Um, for, for several years, these were not light sentences. But my friend said, he said, Stephen, he said, I talked with him. And I said, he said, please come clean and, you know, confess to the people that what you did was wrong and confess to the, the authorities and you'll get off with a very, very light, you know, slap on the wrist. But if you fight it and you continue to deny it, this is not going to come out good. And the well-known minister said, oh, no. He said, he said, I'm going to get out of this, okay, and, uh, you know, I'm going to be just fine. Well, he, hold, he held on to his pride, and uh, it didn't turn out good for him. And he got, he got busted hard, and uh, be, I, really because of his arrogance and unwillingness to, you know, admit the obvious, you know, the judge was really, really hard on him. So right now, while you're enjoying Christmas, he's sitting in prison uh, somewhere. Uh, somewhere, and this is a guy also is a multimillionaire, you know. So, all of that just up in smoke. The church continues on, but it's you know the people were really hurt, and um, you know whenever your your leader has a big collapse like that, that really hurts the sheep. But you know this this was like a modern day Balaam type stuff. And anytime something like that's going on, the donkey's trying to talk. I'm telling you, the Lord goes out of his way to wave red flags to try to get your attention. When he says no, and you persist, he'll do all that he can in his grace and his mercy and his love for you to try to help you stop uh, from making a major, major wrong decision. You know, I was in um, a certain country ministering, and uh, a, a pastor came up to me and said, um, he said, Brother Stephen, he said, he said, you must come to my country and minister to my country. You, you move in signs and wonders and miracles, and uh, you, you have very unusual uh, anointing when you minister. You must come to my country, and I'll promise you a meeting with thousands of people, and you will be blessed. I'm able to bless you. And I, I knew he was a big giver. I knew this guy had a, he had, uh, a lot of money. He also had a lady around him all the time that he wasn't married to hanging out with him. And I, that... that didn't sit right with me and my wife. So, um, but nevertheless, he says, come to my country. And um, he said, I'll make sure that you are well blessed and taken care of while you're there. You know, there's guys that, that if they heard something like that, they'd go there no matter what. But it didn't seem right in my spirit. See, I don't go for money. I go to minister the gospel. Praise God. I, you know, that, that's always what I'm after. I want to minister the gospel, but it has to be right. We have to build on good foundations. We have to have good platforms. We're not just running around like a bunch of monkeys trying to be busy. We're trying to uh, expand the kingdom of the Lord Jesus with integrity so that the message has endurance, so that it has enduring value so that things don't fall apart three months later after we've left. No, we're building for the long haul. So he invited me to come, and uh, he walked away. The first thing I did, I, I immediately went over to an apostle that was a friend of mine, and, and in confidence, I said, um, I said to him, I said, Hey, um, Pastor so-and-so has invited me to come to his country to speak, but I don't know him. 
I said, I said, what is your evaluation of that invitation? Because he, he knew him really well. And I, the man I'm asking, I would trust uh, with my life because he's a very godly man, very godly man. And he goes, uh, he goes, oh, Brother Stephen, he says, I would recommend that you not go there. I would recommend that you not go there. And he, he didn't want to get into all the shady behavior of this guy, but to me, this guy's word was gold. When he says, don't go, I mean, that, that to me, it's the same thing as Jesus standing there saying, don't go. And so I didn't go. Despite that if I did go, uh, it, would, it would be the type of offering that would cover the budget for six months. But I, I didn't go. Why? Because God didn't want me to go. And if I went, I knew I would be going strictly for the same reason that Balaam did, for uh, unrighteous gain. That's what Peter uh, called uh, Balaam's activity. The error of Balaam's the, the error of Balaam was that of unrighteous gain, unrighteous money. He's going to get that money no matter what he's got to do. <laughs> Even if he's got to merchandise the anointing, he's going, to, he's going to get that money. And it cost him a very rare prophetic gift. And a lot of times we, we think of Balaam, uh, we think of a false prophet. Well, there was a point where he was a true prophet. Yes, yes, he, he, you know, he's a Gentile prophet outside of the covenant of Israel. And so there was some mixture, but that guy could hear from God big time. And you, you could obviously see that the blessings that he spoke over Israel, they, they came straight from the Lord. Well, the Lord, they came from the Spirit, and the Spirit spoke them through the mouth of Balaam. But nevertheless, tragic ending for uh, Balaam. So I, I didn't go to that country. I didn't go to that, to that gentleman's uh, church, which was a... Uh, it was a church that had a national platform. I, I didn't go. But you know what? Another minister, an American minister, had the same invitation from the same guy. And guess what? He even asked my friend also, hey, what do you think about so-and-so's invitation? And my friend told him the same thing. Uh, do not recommend that you do that. And you know what he did? He went. He went, and he went there, and you know what happened? He displeased the Lord. Now, don't think what I'm about to tell you uh, means that God tried to kill this guy. God wasn't trying to kill him, but by this guy going, he opened himself up by being out of the will of God for the enemy to hit him, and the enemy hitting hard almost killed him. This, this minister, this full gospel Spirit-filled minister who can move in signs and wonders went there and almost died. I mean, he was, at, he was on death's bed. He almost died because he went there. And if he would have died, I can only imagine what people would report. He died as a martyr. He died as a martyr for the sake of preaching the gospel. Yes, he laid his life down for the gospel. No, he laid his life down for money. That's the only reason he went there. He knew it was wrong. He could hear from God just like I could. I knew it was wrong. Don't do it. He knew it was wrong and went anyhow. Why? <laughs> this, this preacher promised a huge offering if he would go, and it almost killed him. <laughs> and if it wasn't for the mercy of God, he'd be dead. Thank God for the mercy of God. But um, these Balaam things are still, they're still like, um, 
it, it can float around today. Even in the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 2, Jesus uh, spoke about the church uh, that, that had the, the spirit of Balaam operating in it. Oh, these things are very, very real. See, here's what Balaam did when Balaam realized, you know, that God's not going to allow him to curse Israel, although he would try and a, and a blessing would come out. And then, you know, now Balaam's frustrated because he can't get, he can't get into the money bags of Balak because Balak's not going to give him money unless he can do something that will help him defeat Israel. Well, uh, Balaam goes plan B. And he actually, through evil cunning, through diabolical insight, tells the king of Moab what he can do to shut down Israel and, and hurt them and gives him insight diabolically of how to attack them. Oh, that's so wrong. He actually told the king of Moab, look, get a bunch of your best-looking girls, get a bunch of your good-looking women that are single, and send them into the camp of the Israelites. And before you know it, they'll become, they'll become immoral. They'll break the law of God, the law that God gave to them through Moses, the laws of sexual purity. They'll violate it. And before you know it, they'll start worshiping your gods. And uh, then, then they'll be defeated because they'll be defeated from the inside out. And then they won't be a problem to you. So Balaam actually gave counsel, wicked evil counsel, uh, to the king of Moab of how to defeat Israel. And so it's because of that that he really goes down in history as a false prophet. And so we, we need to take these things to heart. Uh, it talks about in the book of Joshua of how that when the Joshua generation rose up and began conquering the Canaan land, well, they went in the battle, and one of the battles, guess who got killed? Balaam did. <laughs> wrong place, wrong time. Let me say this. This really needs to be in our hearts because you're going to come into the promised land and you're going to have some counterfeit blessings offered to you. Uh, be very, very careful. And I want to say this. Anything that God says no, just walk away from it. I, I don't care if it looks like the world was just offered to you on a silver platter. Dump it, turn around, and walk away. Don't pray about it. Don't fast, because fasting and prayer will not change the Word of God, and fasting and prayer will not change the Word, uh, the will of God. Praise the Lord. See, that one pastor that had that large church, he fasted and prayed, uh, did two 21-day fasts every year, and still got tangled up. Why? Because, because when it comes to the Word of God and the will of God, you don't need to fast and pray about that. When it's revealed openly, and you know what to do, you and God says, this is what you do, uh, you don't need, need to pray to get insight to go in a, another direction. You just need to obey and lay down whatever that thing is. For, for Balaam, it was that of an itinerant minister or an itinerant prophet who was reliant upon his gift uh, being put into use. And so he's, he's just like, you know, I hope somebody invites me to come you know, operating my gift. Well, whatever your career field is and that gift is, you know what? You can have, you can have uh, job opportunities come to you 
that may be very alluring, but the job can be, it could be very much a terrible job. Just because it pays a lot of money doesn't mean that it's something that you can accept or should accept. You know, there's a, there's a, a company that just got bought out by a larger company. Uh, this is in the uh, tobacco industry. And I believe that any industry that kills people and sends people to an early grave and causes the most horrible diseases to break forth in a person's body, I don't believe that that's any kind of a product that should be allowed or sold or shared with others. But legally it is. But this one e-cigarette company just got bought out for a couple of billion dollars. And they have 1,500 employees. And all 1,500 employees are going to get a bonus of about $1.3 million. And you could shout, Hallelujah, I'd like to go work for a company like that. Go work for a company of killing people. Go work for a company of destroying people's health, knowing every night in your conscience that you're working 40 hours a week to kill people. I just, uh, you know what? I couldn't do that. The wages of Balaam, the unrighteous wages of Balaam. Well, Pastor Stephen, I would do it in a minute for $1.3 million bonus. And there are Christians who would. But let me say this. If it's not God's will for you to have it, Maybe, may your hand never hold it. If it's not God's will for you to be there, may you never ever go there. And when God says, no, do not, Balaam, do not go with these people, may you be the person who says, Lord, I'm done with these people. I don't even know what they're up to, but, but I, I could care less what they're up to. I'll never touch it. I'll walk away from it completely. And if they show back up, I'll slam the door in their face. Matter of fact, Lord, I won't even answer the door. I won't even answer the door because I'm not going to mess around with these things. If you do, you're toying with the potential of destroying and wrecking your destiny. There have been ministers who had, who had the most beautiful ministries, but they wrecked them. They wrecked their ministries on the junk heap of ministry, and they're not even in the ministry today. Their lives were cut short. Their ministries were cut short. And I could tell you many, many stories. Many, many stories. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. These things are very, very real. It happens in ministry all the time. Uh, there's a lady I've ministered with her before. And um, her husband was known as a, as a true prophet. And, and he was a great man of God. And oftentimes when he would minister, he'd have his Bible open on the pulpit uh, where people could see the Bible opened. And um, oftentimes he would have it opened up uh, to the book of Revelation where it talks about uh, how Jesus said, I will feed you with the hidden manna. Sometimes he would just have his Bible open there for all to see while he's preaching. And while he was preaching, the pages would be covered. That area that he's got it open to on that scripture would just be covered with manna supernatural manna from heaven would appear. And you could just watch it appear on his Bible, just pile up. And what they would do after he finished preaching the Word is they would take communion together, using that very manna as the bread that they would take communion with. Well, that's, that's a miracle ministry. Well, he lived his life out. He died. He went on to heaven. And uh, today, that same miracle pretty much happens in his wife's ministry, when she, uh, when she ministers. 
And, you know, I've been in her meeting before. It, it didn't happen when I was there, but pretty often it does happen when she ministers. But here's what she told me. She got a phone call from a, a, a pastor with a very large church. And he said, I want you uh, to come to my church, and I want you to minister on the miracle manna, and I want you to I want you to do that miracle in front of my people. And, you know, the church has thousands of members, and he does the old king of Moab uh, line, the, the Balak's line. He says, um, he says, you come and you do that at my church, and you'll be rewarded with a great offering. You, in other words, you're going to get a lot of money. And uh, he said, the only catch is, is you have to do this miracle. In other words, don't, don't show up if you're not going to do it. This, this, we want to see the miracle. And she said, hey, hey, this, this doesn't work like that. She said, I serve the Lord Jesus, and the, this gift operates through me by the Holy Spirit. It's not like I can just push a button and make it happen. And he said, well, you need to make it happen if you want to speak in my church. And if you make it happen, I will reward you handsomely. She said, no, no, it doesn't work like that. He says, well, that's the way we work it here. She said, oh, you know, don't waste my time. <laughs> oh, but there's others. If, if they got the phone call, there's other ministers, if they got the phone call to go minister at that church, they go. They go in the, in the, at the drop of a hat. Why? Because of the large offering that would be presented. But those are anointing-killing type atmospheres. And, you know, the moment that Balaam left on his donkey, to go do what God said, don't do. Do not go with those people. The moment he went, that, that anointing is already in jeopardy. It's already in jeopardy. He's on the verge of wrecking a very sacred gift. And he did. He wrecked the whole thing. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. See, something can be offered to you, a job. But the job is out of God's will. You know that's wrong. You know that's morally wrong. You know that's ethically wrong. You know that's biblically wrong. You know it's so wrong, you don't even need to pray about it. Well, I'm going to pray about it, Pastor Stephen, and see what God would say. What do you think? He's going to, he's going to say, oh, yes, let me modify my word just for you. But all, all the rest of the Christian realm has to obey my scriptures. Well, I'm going to modify it just for you. No, he's not going to do that. And if you march into that knowing that it's wrong, something else that you are supposed to go into, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it. And you may think that you stepped into something great. You actually stepped into a horrible counterfeit that is far below the apex or the elevation of which God intended you to reach. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. My friends, here's all it comes down to. If God says no, He meant no. Don't ask again. Don't pray about it. Don't fast. Just say, okay, Lord. <laughs> okay. It is what it is. And if you say no, I've I just walk away from it. I drop it completely. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Some of you are praying for something that's out of bounds. I preached on this before from a different angle. God told Moses he can't come into the promised land. And Moses really had a hard time with that, begged and pleaded and bawled and squalled. And God said, I told you no. I will let you come to the top of Mount Nebo and you can look over outside of the boundary, and you can look in from a distance. Yeah, you're not going to really see very much, but 
you know, as a consolation prize, but no, you cannot come into the land. And he bawled and squalled, and God said, no, I'm not going to talk anymore about this. Mm, thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But God has His best for you. It will line up with the Word. It will feel right in your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The Holy Spirit leading you and guiding you on the inside. If you are having experiences like, like uh, Balaam, where the donkey is smashing your foot into the wall, where the donkey is sitting down and you're whipping it and it's not moving. When you're having all of these bizarre scenarios happen to you, you really need to stop and ask yourself, am I acting like Balaam? Is God putting up so many roadblocks and I'm just plowing them over because I'm going to do it my way? Mmm. Mmm. Slow down. Big time. Humble yourself and say, Lord, what is going on here? Show me what's going on here. Lest you wreck the beautiful life that God has planned for you. Praise you, Lord Jesus. I pray that you enjoy your gingerbread latte, your Christmas cookies, <laughs> and that you enjoy opening gifts and presents. But I pray that you also really settle things in your heart that if God ever says no, you say, yes, sir, I'll back off. I'll back off. I'll not touch it for anything, even if it would appear to be lost, because it looked like to Balaam he was going to have a big loss. But God's got something else, and from God's perspective, He's got something better. And that's what you're going to get. You're going to get God's best, and you're going to get God's better. Well, Pastor Stephen, they're hiring down at the abortion clinic. It pays a lot of money. It pays a lot of money. Oh, really? Carrying out baby parts in a plastic bag? You're willing to do that for money? What, what are you willing to do mm, for money? You have to be willing to hold to biblical ethics and not violate biblical principles. See, Job went over all of that. In the book of Job, chapter 28, chapter 30 and 32, he went over ethics and principles that he obeyed that gave validity to why he was carried into the great wealth which he was walking in. It wasn't just accidental, the great wealth he had. It's because he's doing the right thing over and over and over again. Wow. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Woo! These are all uh, crossroads that we verge into, that, that, that we, have, we merge into. You have an opportunity to go left or right. Mm. Sometimes the enemy will present to you the very thing that you so desired, but you know it's on the wrong. It, it, it's, it, it's wrong. It's wrong. The way he's packaging it is totally wrong. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Don't get tangled up in stuff like that. It's very, very hard to get out of because pride, pride is very blindful because then you get over into deceit, and deceit is one of the most powerful weapons that Satan has, the weapon of deception. And you're deceived and you don't even know it because you're so deep into it. Praise the Lord. But that's not going to be your testimony. That is not going to be the route that you take. Praise God for freedom. And you lay your head down at night with a clean conscience, 
knowing that your conscience is right with God and right with your fellow man. Woo! Thank you, Lord Jesus. And let's take communion in light of that. My friends, God says no. Stop immediately. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You're going to be just fine. You're going to be blessed. Hallelujah. God's way. The right way. I, I really believe you're going to see those who compromised go down in flames. You're going to see them end up in the state of misery, which is what they've chosen. Praise the Lord. The meek shall inherit the earth. Also, Psalm 37 tells you to not be upset about those that would seem to be flourishing, yet they are so corrupt, yet they're flourishing. Oh, oh, don't let it trouble you. Don't let it trouble you. Their time will come, and then they will be removed, and the meek will inherit the earth. But not only that, during this lifetime, when you serve the Lord, He will lift you up honorably the right way. Let's take communion today together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. We bless it. We consecrate it. It's holy. Hallelujah. Father, in a way that, that in some ways is difficult to understand, uh, there is a divine mystery attached to it, but we're going we're gonna to take it by faith. Father, this is, this is the body of Jesus. We look at it, we see a wafer, but by faith, it's the body of Christ. And this is now the blood of Jesus. And so, Father, we receive the body of Christ, and we choose to walk in His principles, never violating them for any sort of gain. Thank you, Father God, that the story of Balaam is recorded in the Bible, spoken by many people as a reference point for us to look back at as a warning, even spoken of by the Apostle Peter, even spoken of by Jude, the brother of Jesus, even spoken of by Jesus Himself in the book of Revelation, chapter 2, verse 14. Father, we thank You. We thank You. No areas of compromise. No areas of compromise. We cling to Your Word, even, even if the Word is no. Now, Father, we give You praise. We receive the body of Jesus now. We even receive the holy no with rejoicing in Jesus' name. Let us now partake. Amen. I believe for Christmas, you're going to get some type of yes for something around the Christmas season. Be listening. Don't let yourself get so busy on Christmas that you don't pray. Christmas is an open heaven. And if you're listening carefully, you're, you're going to catch a yes on something, something, something good. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Father, thank you. All of your promises are yes and amen. But we must, we must enter into them through the right way. Yes, so oh God, thank you. Never compromising to get there. Thank you, Father. Two wrongs don't make a right. We give you praise. Thank you, Father God. I pray for anybody, Father, that would feel weak, that would feel like they're in a Balaam situation where they're just about ready to cave and give, and give in, that they would sit down. They would sit down and ponder the outcome of Balaam, his tragic ending, 
tragic ending, and even an ending that, in the light of what Peter and Jude wrote, I'm not sure if he even made heaven. Father, we give you praise. We thank you that we're going to, and we're walking very, very close to you. We thank you for the designated paths that you have for us, according to your word and your will, and we will not deviate from them. We thank you. We give you all the praise. We rejoice in Jesus' name. And we say amen and amen. Let us now receive the holy, pure, clean blood of Jesus shed for the remission, the forgiveness of our sins. Woo, glory to God. Hallelujah. May you have a very red Christmas. The blood of Jesus over your Christmas, protecting you, keeping you, helping you to think with the brilliant thoughts of Christ, the cleansing, pure, high, beautiful, holy thoughts of Christ. The blood of Jesus all over your mind this Christmas, all over your family. Hallelujah. God's got a plan for you and your family and then it's going to turn out to be beautiful. Keep walking on that path that gets brighter every single day. Father, I pray for your people. Blessing over their lives, a joyful, peaceful, happy Christmas. And we thank you, Father God. We thank you that we're going up in you. We give you all the praise. Thank you for the sacred paths that you have. We walk on them, clinging to your word, embracing your yes, and also embracing with love and deepest respect, all of your no's as well. In Jesus' name, amen. You are blessed. I'll see you back next time. Have a Merry Christmas. God bless you. Bye-bye. For more information about the ministry of Apostle Stephen Brooks, visit our website at stephenbrooks.org.